When we say rational discussion, common sense and open debate, we mean it. The Reality Check is here. RCR, Reality Check Radio. Well, about a month ago, the areas of around Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, as we know, got really the shit kicked out of them by Cyclone Gabriel. And the aftermath continues. People died. Livelihoods perhaps have been destroyed. The cleanup looks like it's going to last a long time. The buildup of silt is just incredible. The pictures we've seen, the stories we've heard uh, have captivated our imaginations and our thoughts have been with those people for the last month or so. How bad was Cyclone Gabriel and where does it sit historically? And an investigative journalist, you've heard the name, Ian Wishart, has been looking into this. And to talk about um, what he found, the work he's done, and also where we are at now with the whole thing, he joins us on Reality Check Radio. Ian, thanks for coming on. It's great to be able to talk to you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Okay, now we haven't met just quickly, but uh, I used to listen to you on Radio Pacific a lot, okay? And (laughs) back in the day, and I used to work for them, but out of Wellington, for a year or so, and it might have been, uh, it was mid-2000s, it might have been when you were there, but I never got the chance to get to the Auckland studio to meet you, so it's, it's great to meet you now. Thank you. All right, so um, we were all following this um, Cyclone Gabriel story, obviously, it, it, it got the attention of the nation, and I would say you included, right? Yeah, it did. I mean, uh, anyone who lived through the weather events of the last uh, three to four months would have, you know, asked some questions, given the media's uh, insistence that it's all climate change related. And certainly we've had some, some big weather events. But what I wanted to do was go back and actually compare uh, recent events with historic events, because if you're going to make claims that our weather is getting worse, the, the obvious question is worse since when uh, and worse from what baseline? And I found out that uh, that data didn't seem to exist in, in NIWA. So I went back to uh, papers past, all the old newspapers reporting stories since the 1840s, and dug through the, uh, the weather uh, events of the time and found, you know, I had to narrow my search down to 1868 really through to uh, 1890, a 22-year period, because there's just tens of thousands of weather events in, in the papers past database and you'd be there forever. But I narrowed the search down using uh, search terms looking for the word barometer and 28, and, and the reference of that is that uh, Cyclone Bowler was a big storm in 1988, it registered 29 inches of mercury, or 982 hectopascals in modern terms. And all the old newspapers use inches of mercury, so they didn't report hectopascals. So I searched for 28, which is anything, obviously, with a 28 in front of it. And I found that um, of 24 major systems that I could see uh, in the 22-year period, 1868 to 1890, of those 24 big storms that were bigger than Cyclone Bowler, the only four were entered into NIWA's historic events database, which meant that 83% or 20, 20, 20 big storms were missing. So that raised obvious questions about the quality of NIWA's historic climate research database. Uh, and it also 
made me take a, a long, hard look at the actual uh, big storms of the past themselves. Because the Cyclone Gabriel, um, at, the st- at the stage I began the research, NIWA had just issued a, a, a preliminary study saying that Cyclone Gabriel had reached a barometric low of 963 hectopascals, which might sound like gobbledygook to um, to listeners, but that's how storms are measured. In, in the old days, as uh, mariners sailed the seas, the barometer was an early warning system for them as to when a storm system was coming in because the atmospheric pressure would start to drop. Mm. And um, 963 was certainly a a decent-sized drop, so it was a big storm. I mean, Cyclone Bola was 982, as I said, and Cyclone Giselle, the Wahine storm in, 18, 16, in 1968, was uh, 300, uh, sorry, 968 hectopascals. Uh, so, you know, we've had a couple of big storms recently with, with Gabriel, in theory. But what I found was that uh, Gabriel barely made it into the top 10 of, of storms between 1868 and 1890 as a comparison, uh, that in fact there were five or six major storms much, much bigger than Gabriel in those years alone. And I found that we were being hit in New Zealand with a cyclone, bowler-sized cyclone or storm, more than once a year on average during that period. Now, to give you an example, NEWA's research says we've only been hit by three storms of that size since 1968 in New Zealand, so that's you know coming up nearly 50 years, 45 years or so. So the uh, the implications for um, climate research are serious because you can't possibly claim that Gabriel is a is a, a, a massive storm uh, historically. If in fact it, it's not, if it's if it's a minor player in, in New Zealand's historical scheme of things. So that's where that research started to lead me. Did you have any sort of gut feeling or inkling that you might, you know, find something along the lines of you, you've just been explaining? Was there something sort of, was there a little, you well, know, the, light bulb going yeah, off? The, the event that triggered me was, because uh, we live on a, a lifestyle block here in, in North Auckland, and the the 27th of January uh, cloud burst with a bomb that uh, drowned Auckland and... and uh, all the flooding issues uh, was also tagged as a, an example of climate change uh, causing these storms. And I was—I live in an area um, that gets hit hard, and I started going back through Hapers Pass to see what flooding had hit Auckland in the past. And I found, for example, in 1924, that uh, Kuiper District, just north of Kaupapa and Helenville, uh, had been whacked by. 356 millimetres of rain that's 14 inches in the space of five hours back in 1924. Now to put that in perspective the, the 27th of January storm in Auckland dropped about 241 millimetres in a, in a day on Auckland so we've been hit by much bigger in our low carbon colder past. So I, I, I knew that Papers Pass was going to be a treasure trove I just didn't realise how much of a treasure trove it actually was that I started looking. Hmm. Um, I want to ask you how that felt as that unfolded before you. Um, now, NIWA, what is NIWA? NIWA is a Crown Research Institute that was created in 1991, and it uh, is in competition with the Met Service. It is, in theory, a climate change research agency. So it's there to advise government departments, councils and major corporates 
on issues around climate change and preparation for climate change and adaptation and uh, produce the research for that. And so since 1991, that's what they've been doing. Now, you would think that an agency tasked with investigating climate change, the first thing they would have done in 1991 was go back through all of the old records and all of the old reports and work out exactly what New Zealand's climate used to be like so that they had a baseline from which to base any further research and know whether things are getting better or worse. They didn't do it. They've never done it. <laughs> That's the shocking thing. They've been issuing all these reports and, and media statements saying bigger since records began, bigger since records began ad nauseum, and they haven't actually looked at the old records, which is a scandal in and of itself. It's just, uh, it turns, turns out that, in, in, in my view, they were just turning into a, a climate change beat-up agency where they just issued press releases several times a week uh, to manufacture the hype around climate change as uh, almost a climate affair to, to initiate uh, justification for various government policies. But they haven't done the hard yards. And even um, you know recently, they have been party to a uh, hastily produced study on Cyclone Gabriel which claims that uh, Cyclone Gabriel uh, was 20 to 30% driven by climate change um, based on rainfall analysis over the last 44 years. And I look at that, and I've done a, a, the Climate Affair Part 2 report looks back as far as 1840 in terms of rainfall, actual observational data, not, not 44 years back to 1979, but going back to 1840. And my rainfall study finds that Gabriel is not exceptional in any way, shape or form. We've had much bigger storms, much bigger rainstorms. Uh, but NEWA gets away with this rubbish because they haven't done the hard work and the media believes them. Well, it's just a shocker. You say they haven't done the hard work. This is, um, if we're to believe you know, the, the hype, let's say, uh, an eminent um, scientific institution uh, of state. How could they not do the hard yards? Isn't that what their fundamental mission is? Can we explain that? What are your views on that? Yeah, I, I think it's a massive scandal. Uh, they they haven't explained it. They say it's all too hard to validate and it's, it takes time and resource. As I said, they've had effectively uh, 30 years to do it and, and it hasn't been done. Uh, and the upshot of it is, is that, uh, you know, they, they've been getting away with it for 31 years. The media have been swallowing the press releases for 31 years. And it just took a journalist with a question in his mind and a keyboard and research skills to go back and say, well, hang on, what's the truth here? What, what was our past climate like? And the reality is our past climate was far more extreme, far more violent than we are seeing today. It, you know, my heart goes out to people who've been hit by Cyclone Gabriel and the January flooding because... You know, there's no question that a storm that takes takes away houses and and lives and so forth is a devastating storm, particularly to those directly impacted by it. And, and our own driveway has suffered some consequences. It's going to cost a tens of thousands of dollars. So mm. I have some sympathy. But the morphing of that into a climate change poster child is a crock uh, because they haven't done the work and they've never done the work. 
uh, and it's just, you know, they're starting to be caught out. And it's, it's so critical because if we can't trust, you know, this is another example, if we can't trust the government agency to tell us the truth about uh, scientific issues, then how on earth can we trust the science? It, it's, it's, it, it's a sad, a sad state of affairs for New Zealand, really. You've got to ask also the scientists themselves. Surely they're, they're scientists because they're curious and they're data-driven. That's fundamental to it. Um, do we have any idea that um, this is a like a policy to um, bury data that doesn't fit a narrative? Um, have these scientists forgotten what being a scientist is all about? Uh, thoughts on that? Because I'm confused. Yeah, we can speculate. We can't know what's inside their heads. What I do know is I spoke to one uh, climate scientist at Victoria University who's uh, a lead author on the UN IPCC report, David Frame. And he conceded to me in a Twitter discussion that we had uh, a few days back that uh, the problem, as he sees it, is that NIWA has not done the hard work on our past climate and has instead spent its research dollars on much sexier projects which involve overseas travel, like going down to the Antarctica for, for weeks on end and, and, and drilling into ice cores. So he says we spend a fortune on climate data research internationally that's of little relevance to New Zealand, and we've, we've spent what he called a pittance on studying New Zealand climate data. Uh, so... I don't know whether it's uh, malicious intent at NIWA that they know what the what the data is going to tell them. They they choose to look the other way, or whether it's sheer incompetence, or whether it's just the lure of overseas travel perks and attending the big conferences uh, and and putting it with the big boys overseas. But and possibly a combination of all three. But the reality is is that uh, you can't trust climate stories coming out of NIWA or the media now. It's just uh, an absolute dog's breakfast. Yet they have the confidence to make claims that can be, well, debunked is the word by an investigative journalist looking out the window at home and, and, and asking himself a few questions. And, OK, it's a deep dive, but, you know, it wasn't an impossible job for you. The, the data was all there. If you could find it, they could. Um, uh, again, it, it, it kind of beggars belief that, that they wouldn't have... Well, even anticipated someone like you doing this at some point. They they must have been so secure in in, uh, and I don't like the word narrative. I'm getting tired of it. But in, in their story, that they really didn't think there were there were any threats to it at all. And then you you came along. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, again, it's been created by a, a culture of media um, acquiescence to the to the. To the, to the climate change edict. I mean, the media have said publicly, we are not going to debate the issue of, of climate change. So they become less critical. They just they just abandon their critical thinking skills. And you can see it in, in reports over the last few weeks. The media have seen the Climate Affair Report 1 and 2. Mm. And they've seen my uh, statement debunking NIWA's uh, explanations for why they, they messed up. And what were those uh, explanations? Can, Sorry to jump in, but what what were those exp- explanations? You might might have mentioned them. I missed them, but um, yeah, what, yeah. What the, 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 Niwa, Niwa has come out, and they have not uh, attacked the data that I have, have found. So, in terms of the the catalogue of historic big storms and all of that, 
Uh, there's been no no debunking of that by Niwa at all. They simply do not address it. They just say that they're too busy to load all their old stuff into their into their systems, <laughs> uh, and that uh, and that I've uh, I should be uh, that I've you know c- confused their, their their public database with their internal one. Uh, and that I should trust them that they that they know about these events and so forth. But the the reality is they don't. I was in a Twitter debate with Niwa, senior scientist, uh, before I published the report and raising some of these examples, and they just simply didn't know about them. Uh, they, they went away and they came back and said, it's not in our database, we can't find it. You know, you're, you're wrong. Um, and so the reality is Niwa's database is, as I said, an absolute dog's breakfast. So they're on a hiding to nothing, and then you get this this recent study saying that uh, Gabriel is uh, definitely a climate change fueled uh, cyclone, with up to twenty or thirty percent of it caused by climate change because they've looked at the record for the last forty four years. And I'm thinking forty four years. Good grief! It takes us back to nineteen seventy nine. I've done studies that go back to eighteen forty, uh, and and you muppets aren't reading the, the the studies and and you're just ignoring it and i think this gets back to your original question how how does it happen that this continues they are so confident that if they just keep on repeating their spin every single week that and that they know that the mainstream media will continue to repeat it because the mainstream media have drunk the kool-aid and they just will not publish anything that challenges the storyline uh, and they would know that over time, uh, if you repeat a lie often enough, it just becomes accepted. And people assume that because it's still being repeated that it must be true and the controversy is over. So they just like tough it up and they will continue to do so. Do you think they actually believe it, though? I mean, how could you believe what you're well, saying I, there? Or have they convinced them themselves somehow? I think it's an amount of self-delusion. I mean, you, you get what's called noble cause corruption, which is where the it basically translates as the end justifies the means. So if you sincerely believe that climate change is taking the world to hell in a handcart uh, and that uh, we're all going to die and all species are going to become extinct and we're going to have cyclones every second week, hmm. if you genuinely believe that, then you believe that it's not important to look at the other side or give the other side any oxygen. You're just going to look for the evidence that supports your story that you want to push because it's so urgent. And so people, these people genuinely believe that they're doing the right thing. Uh, just like the media genuinely believe that they're doing the right thing and refusing to debate the science. And and it is a form of corruption. It, 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 it's not how science is done. The reality is if, if you're going to claim that... Uh, our weather is, is getting worse because of climate change. It's a very easy thing to work out. You just establish a baseline. You say, okay, what was our weather like in the past before there were cars or SUVs? How bad was our weather? How extreme was our weather? How frequent was the extreme? And you work that out and you, you say, okay, back in the 1800s, we had X number of storms of X size uh, and, and this is what we're getting now. And if the trend line then shows that our storms are getting bigger and more frequent now, then climate change, in theory, is proven. But if the trend line shows, as it actually does, that we are 20 times better off today than we were in the 1800s, <laughs> uh, because we're not getting a bowl-of-sized storm every year, um, then you've got to ask the question, is the climate change extreme weather narrative true even in the slightest? 
are we all scared of the future because we don't understand our past? And big decisions are being made on the basis of that uh, information, and uh, and also you know the political class um, wants to hear those messages because they think it appeals to the electorate. Who have I mean, it's like a circular kind of thing, isn't it? Spiral. Uh, we've been set up, it seems to me, for quite some years to believe that uh, weather events will will become more severe. That's what, probably in the last decade, maybe a little less, but that comes up a lot. And I, I guess uh, this, um, you know, attitude of NIWAs or, or, or being very loose on the data um, helps uh, promote that message. So this has been going, this has been building for quite some time, right? Yeah, it has. I mean, I, I wrote the book Aircon back in 2009 and and then followed it up with Totalitaria in uh, 2014. And essentially, you know, when you look at the political side of this, uh there's an, there's an element and desire in a, in a section of the global community that wants to control people big time. And again, they genuinely believe that they're doing it for the right reasons. They're deluded, but that's what they believe. So climate change and selling an environmental threat uh, became a means to an end. Because if you can set up global restrictions and the need for global government on, on climate rules and regulations then your mechanism is then in place to, to expand that op- the operation of that system uh, and and have far more control and, and, and the hands of the elites, who, of course, know best how to run the place. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's a story of human greed and power and, and, and control. That, that's what it comes down to. Uh, and climate change, you know, is... When you look at the documentation and the, and the reports written by people way back in the 40s, 50s, even earlier than that, I was identified as a meal ticket to achieve that end. Um, nuclear war was another one, um, and and there's been some other scares as well. I mean, the, the debate about pandemic, the pandemic, if you like, was an example of how uh, global control could be rolled out, uh, but it was always of a limited time frame. As the pandemic ends, <laughs> then people say, we want our rights and freedoms back. Um, and on. so you can't make a pandemic last forever. Yeah, there's but climate change. <laughs> there's climate change. You can, especially if you're calling every weather event an example of extreme climate, and that's that's why I've always remained focused on on the bigger picture. Uh, climate change is the elephant in the room. It's the one that's going to be used to beat us into submission. I would go with the evidence. Went if, if I if I look at the evidence and genuinely believe that. Uh, climate change was not only real, but it was dangerous and it was going to keep causing massive extremes of weather, then I'd be singing a different song. But I'm not seeing that. I'm, I'm seeing that our cold, low-carbon past was far more violent. I mean, in the Climate Affair report, the, the first one that I released, there's eyewitness testimony from people in the town of Greymouth who watched as the sea took away 50 of their buildings in one storm. It just rolled in because of the storm surge and, and washed away 50 buildings. I saw there was a, a brick church in, in, in Southland uh, that was cracked because of the force of the winds. It's a brick church, for heaven's sake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, we've had extreme events, uh, and, and we've had them far more often. So until climate scientists can explain why our past was so much more violent in terms of weather and more frequent in terms of bad weather, if, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not going to buy the by the storyline. You know, if we 
had today to face the level of weather damage that was being inflicted on the early settlers in the late 1800s, we would be bankrupt. Uh, we couldn't have survived. The only reason they survived is because New Zealand was comparatively low tech. We didn't have tar-sealed roads. We didn't have power lines. For the most part, we didn't have a lot of infrastructure. It was just a case of getting back out with the pickaxes and, and, and cutting a new wagon track again. <laughs> but uh, nowadays, if those storms came along every year to New Zealand as they did back then, we would be stuck. I want to ask you about the bigger picture before we finish chatting. And and I think this sort of points towards it. And I'm going to quote out of um, the early part of the climate of fear. I guess this is uh, part one here, because it sounds like the classic struggle session. Nationals Maureen Pugh found herself in hot water after questioning the evidence linking Cyclone Gabriel to climate change. And you say, in a masterclass of Media Gotcha 101, News Hub's political editor Jenna Lynch quickly lined up Greens co-leader James Shaw, assorted climate scientists and lobbyists, and even Nationals leader Chris Luxon to scornfully force Pugh into a climate come-to-Jesus moment, you say, where she publicly, and we, we all heard this, publicly repented of her sin in daring to question the daily media assurances that humanity's greenhouse gas emissions are a major contributor to New Zealand's summer soaking. In other words, you even, I mean, you don't have a position. You ask a simple question, which is totally logical and normal thinking for most people, usually. And you're in a struggle session and you're humiliated into, as you say, repenting your sin. I mean, that's crazy stuff, right? It is. It's insane. It's, we've reached a position in our society today where challenging the orthodox line of thought is seen as burn at the stake time. Uh, and and the TV news is the equivalent of, of, of putting people in the stocks and throwing tomatoes at them a century ago. Yeah. That means that anyone is put in a position where it's incredibly dangerous, especially if you're a politician uh, or a high-profile person, let's say, with a lot to lose, to question anything. And then when, uh, I mean, you get your leader, Chris Luxon, in this case, do you think do you think he was just limiting a PR damage control, or, or, or did, is he brainwashed? <laughs> I think there's a bit of both in that. Um, uh, he is, has come out strongly and said that he's all in on the uh, climate thing because you know, National has bought into it and they see it as an electoral loser if they challenge it. So they're in the same mode as Labor, protect the, protect the theory at all costs. But, uh, you know, this comes back to scientific integrity. We have data now uh, that shows that our climate was far, far worse when the carbon levels were low and the temperature was colder. So do we really want to race back to that? Um, that question needs to be answered before we freak out about global warming. Because if it seems that a warmer climate has, in fact, led us to a less volatile climate, then we're not so badly off. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to be spending hundreds of billions of dollars uh, trying to remedy something that, uh, that may not need to be remedied in the way that we think it does. Who do you think clips that ticket in the remedial kind of plan um, because there's a there's a lot of opportunity to clip tickets in this right there's a huge opportunity and it's a case of follow the money the uh, the climate science and of that establishment they're huge clip, ticket clippers they're being funded to the tune of tens of billions around the world every year to do climate studies that back up the scary narrative the um, 
uh, the green and green industrial complex, which is the big corporates who realise that they can make a buck out of selling subsidised uh, cars and other uh, industrial uh, solutions to this, they're clipping the ticket curiously and the taxpayers are paying for it. So every EV that's sold, taxpayers are contributing thousands of dollars in subsidies to. Um, it's just massive. And of course, the politicians buy into it because it justifies their control mechanisms and the, uh, the dream and goal of becoming part of a one world global system. Uh, which is very much, uh, you know, it sounds conspiratorial, but it's very much in the documentation as to as to what the people who came up with this idea originally actually want. The, so pla- the plan's there's a huge number of vested interests. The plan's working well, well it seems. <laughs> yeah. um, um, the ticking of the boxes as they go. Um, the media is the communication device for for getting this information or forming an impression of the world or whatever, obviously to the public. And, um, you know, I mentioned the uh, from your report, News Hub's political editor there, uh, and I believe that Stuff has said in the past that they wouldn't be um, reporting, even reporting um, material that uh, went against uh, uh, the, the, the climate change. There's that word again, narrative. I mean, you've got experience in the media. You're a journalist. When, when and I don't, I don't want this to become a, a discussion about the media. It's, e- it's easy to, to have a go at them. But... Surely, you know, Houston, we've got a problem here. Uh, if we, if the majority of people are being informed incorrectly, as you have shown, and having their views formed, and their uh, and there's fear in that too. You know, you you're worried that the world could um, grind to a halt in terms of its livability. You're thinking about, do we have children? And I think pe- people are questioning that now. Is it ethical even to have children in the face of this? There's kind of a self-loathing that comes out of it, which is very negative for human beings. And it's the, the the connection point is the media. Now, if they aren't honest brokers of information, how in the hell do we have a hope? It's easy. You bypass the media. So this, and I, I've, I've said this to others as well, you're not going to get the media to uh, challenge these narratives. They're just not going to do it. Um, because to do it means admitting that they've, they've got it wrong. And it means admitting that the emperor has no clothes and there's nothing the world hates more than those sort of uh, stories. So it comes down to the public uh, downloading reports like Climate Affair or the, or the uh, Climate Affair 2, the, 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 the rainfall study I did. They're available as PDFs or as links and, and emailing to friends and family and just percolating it virally, uh, just passing it along and telling people whatever your views on climate change read this and then ask yourself are we being told the truth and that's how you get around the mainstream media the mainstream media are already in a precarious position because social media and alternative media are holding them accountable in the way that media used to operate 200 years ago you go back to England or even New Zealand back in the 1800s and uh, the newspapers and, and the publishing houses were extremely partisan. They were set up by, by people with, with strong, independent voices, and they shouted what they wanted to shout. And that was how competition existed in the marketplace. Uh, but we've lost that today. It's all an orthodoxy. It's all the same. Big picture stuff now. You alluded to it earlier, um, a few minutes ago. So... 
This climate change is the ultimate control mechanism because it's global and it's ongoing. It doesn't have a use-by date. It's just forever in the future. Do you think that is the fundamental motive behind behind all this, that just pure control and power and, and, you know, cynically executed? Is that what you feel? Uh, I went deeper than that in the book Totalitaria. I mean, I I, I researched Totalitaria uh, without a preconception about, you know, what the motivation was. But I went back into the oldest records we had of the initial plans and, and the emergence of plans for a global government to run the world and followed the key players into their various uh, roles that they subsequently took up in entities like the United Nations or academia or education and watched them work their magic. The motivating thing for them is religious. They are um, almost without exception a type of uh, New Age uh, belief uh, with a touch of occultism thrown in, and they genuinely believe and believe at the time, and their disciples who moved into the United Nations and did so as well, believed that they could create a religious transformation of the world and prepare it for the what they, re- they called the return of the coming one. Uh, and that they had to make humanity singing one song and, and, and vibrate in harmony in order for that to happen. And they identified that environmental issues and uh, war issues and so forth were key ways of getting the public on board if they could manipulate those uh, fears and concerns. And so when you read Totalitaria, uh, the United Nations documents are published in full. You can see the thought process that goes through uh, you can see the, the motivation. So does that mean that every single person who's who's working in this field today is, is a religious nutbag? No, it doesn't. But it means that they're part of uh, a, a movement, a zeitgeist, a, uh, a wave of consciousness through the, through the planet that thinks that it's doing the right thing. And again, it comes out of that noble cause corruption. Now, it doesn't matter what people believe except when beliefs are effectively forced on others who may or may not agree with them. (laughs) In this case, if you're going to make an issue out of climate change as a mechanism for world control, then you need to be right on the fact. Is climate change as serious as it is claimed? Does it justify global action? Um, And and what are the implications and costs? So I have tended to delineate between the total uh, motivation of the original plan, uh, plans for this mechanism, this, this movement, uh, and the people on the ground just doing the, the research who don't, you know, the, the people who uh, Lenin would have called useful idiots. They're right. just part of the system that is bringing it in. Uh, and they most of them wouldn't have a clue about the background to, to this or the religious dimension of it. Um, but they've just bought into it because the argument to them sounds convincing about the need for action. So this is why it's important for people to arm themselves with reports like climate affair and just circulate them to friends and family continually uh, and say, well, you know, if me had an answer to this, then they should lay it out. If they've got evidence that our climate was fantastic in the past, they should lay it out. And the fact that they don't and, and just snipe around the edges 
with kind of trivial stuff maybe uh, shows you um, <laughs> their position, that, whether yeah, well, they're wearing clothes yeah, or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the, 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 truth, the truth of it is, is that if I was wrong, then every single major newspaper article from the 1800s was wrong. And the people who saw these storms in, in, in towns being washed away and burnt to the ground and droughts and so forth were making stuff up. Of course they weren't. Those events really happened. That's why Nee was not attacking the data. They just don't want people to, to become conscious of the data because it interferes with the narrative. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and the media aren't going to tell you. So this becomes people power. You know, the, the weapons are there. People can circulate them. People can debate them. People can send them to their school teachers. People can get their kids to raise them in NCA argument. It's just about, you know, using these things rather than waiting for somebody else to, to lead you through it. It's just about using the tools at your disposal. Yeah, that requires a bit of courage and, you know, um, what do they say? Courage is the virtue that all other virtues are built upon or something like that. And and it seems to me that, that uh, a lot of people, and I can understand why, lack at the moment maybe uh, that kind of courage. Just going back to what you said before, you know, describing the origins of, of this, this is a multi-generational project that sort of kept its energy in it all this way. I got to ask you this question. I mean, in your mind, is it a is it a force for good or a force for the opposite of of good? I mean, this is, is this sinister? Is this something that you know is 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 so big picture that we need to ask that fundamental question? I think we do need to ask that fundamental question, and I, I asked it in totalitarian. The you have uh, an entity that. Uh, and, and, and this, what became Theosophy uh, with Helena Blavatsky and Alice Bailey and so forth, which came up in the 1870s. Uh, Blavatsky claimed to have heard from a 2,000-year-old spirit entity that said, you must prepare the world for the return of the coming one, who we call Lucifer. Uh, and the, the planet has to be singing in harmony on, on these issues, and, and you must go into the churches, you must go into the religions, you must go into the schools, you must go into the, uh, the universities, and you must lay the groundwork for bringing about a change of heart amongst the, the human people. And so that's the original religious motivation of this thing. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something that you can take or leave, but the reality is humanity has always moved uh, for spiritual causes. Um, and this one is, is in every... Every aspect of our planetary life. If, you, if you're in corporate life these days, you get uh, workshops, uh, you know, training workshops, which incorporate elements of these beliefs. The school curriculum uh, is full of these beliefs disguised as education. So we are generating, uh, you know, new generations of kids who are already indoctrinated with this stuff by the time they leave school. And they just get it repeated at them when they go to university. I mean, the debate over um, spiritual issues in science is an example of where this is going. So, big picture, I can't claim to speak for anybody else. I can only rely on the research that I've done and say, you know, call it what you like, conspiracy theory or whatever. But the documentation is there. The quotes are there uh, in the UN's own documents, um, you know, and it's a mechanism they've chosen to, to ride to the finish line 
as hard as they possibly can. Is it true? Well, people can make their own minds up, but it's a motivating force, definitely. Okay, so to to sum up now, um, you've uh, this has been your work has been out for a bit of time now, and you know, we've been aware of some of the reactions. Um, what's your reading of how it's been received? Uh, obviously, you've had uh, plenty of feedback. I wonder what the proportionality of that is. Um, do you think this is? Does your work have legs? Do you think? Oh yeah, the work the work definitely has legs. Uh, as I said, the climate affairs fair reports one and two. The first one dealing with the major storms of the past, and the second one dealing specifically with comparing Gabriel's rainfall totals to past storms. That's hard data, um, and it's based on real observational uh, measurements taken by, in the most case, weather stations and uh, ships and uh, port authorities who had calibrated equipment uh, and reported the, the totals that they that they found at the time. So there's no question that that information is real, that NIWA has not done studies equivalent to it, and that the most recent study just released uh, deliberately chose, I guess, only to go back as far as 1979 to make the comparison instead of going back to 1840, which is where the bodies are buried. So... That data is not going to change. It's real. It's got legs, and it's it's going to stand up the the length of time and history. The I guess what people do with it, as I say, is is up to them. Uh, you're not going to hear it in the mainstream media, but you can tell your friends and family. And every time you have a discussion about climate change, you can just say simply, "But hang on, if our climate was far worse in the past, uh, are we really getting more extreme events? Are we really?" what does it mean? And, and I'll say, where's your proof? Just click on the link. Mm. That simple. Yeah, well, facts don't seem to matter so much, is my impression these days. Um, even if you, you see it yourself with your own eyes, apparently you're not seeing <laughs> There are people out there to persuade you that you didn't see what, what, what you see. So good luck with that. Um, one thing I'd have to say <laughs> in reading, in reading um, you, know, you know, those events that you, that you drill back into and you quote some of the, you know, the quotes from those uh, those historic reports. The language they use, the kind of grammar that they use to describe things, I thought was really was really cool, actually. <laughs> it's very evocative, and and it's it's you know it's a pleasure to actually read some of the old journalism just because of the the eyewitness fly on the wall experience that it gives you, and looking back in our past and. One of the things, and it's, it's, it's touched on in the Climate Affairs Report, and I haven't really focused on it, but the if you go back in the papers past, there's huge debate about climate change 150 years ago. Wow. <laughs> They're saying our climate's, our climate's changed since we settled in New Zealand, um, and it's, it's gotten worse and all the rest of it. Uh, and they, you know, it just shows that people have always been fascinated by the weather, and... Uh, we don't know why climate changes over time, and the reality is our lifespans are so short geologically that the significance of a major weather event in our living memory is probably nothing. <laughs> it's just Earth moves in cycles, and even our scientists don't fully understand why it is, and NIWA hasn't done the research to figure out why. Uh, but the data is there. Um, you know, we were 20 times more violent than we are now back in the 1800s in terms of weather. Okay, and um, uh, using 1979 as your um, sort of baseline for history, I mean, I, I'd even left school by then. It's not even that long ago. It's crazy to think that 
you would um, measure something that has existed for eons and eons from 1979 upwards. It's crazy. Well, to give you an example, the study that uh, has cited that, which is done by uh, some people from NIWA, University of Waikato, and uh, some people overseas, um, makes the point that uh, Gabriel might have had a, uh, a total two-day rainfall of about 600 millimetres of rain across two days. Well, if you go back to 1938, which is well outside your 1979 deadline, go back to the big storm of 1938 in the Hawke's Bay, a metre of rain dropped on Hawke's Bay. One metre, not 620 millimetres, 1,000 millimetres. And that was a time of low carbon and cold temperatures. Even just looking at that storm alone, you couldn't say that Gabriel was caused by climate change if, in fact, our natural weather was much more violent as recent as 1938. But that's the, the, the mythology that they're selling us. They just ignore the past. Easier that way, I suppose, uh, Ian. Look, I've really enjoyed the chat. Thanks for making time for us. I'm going to be really fascinated to see how far and wide, you know, in the sharing and um, and the other, I guess, social media channels that both uh, parts of Climate of Fear, uh, how far it'll go and, uh, you know, the sort of interest. And there's been a lot already, obviously, um, that will be generated uh, by it. Great work. Thank yeah. you for, for talking with us. And um, let's keep our umbrellas handy because it's going to rain again, isn't it? <laughs> it is going to rain again. And it is, you know, the Climate Affair Report is just a, it's a ticking time bomb. It's a depth charge. It's a torpedo. It's, it's under the radar. It will just continue to hit as long as people keep firing it because the data is real. It's not going to go away. Uh, so we just have to be armed. We are getting um, some big rainfall events, but they're not out of the range of nat- natural variability from the past. Um, so it's important not to freak out about it. How, it's important to build better and build smarter. How likely is it so, that... Uh, the, yeah. so, sorry, how likely is it that the, the next big event, they'll say the same thing? Oh, it's guaranteed. Um, you know, they've, they're, they're, they're looking to make every single um, event a climate change-caused event. They're basing it on a garbage-in, garbage-out computer model. Uh, that says that if you uh, warm up the oceans, you're going to get X amount of, of rainfall. So if we say the oceans are warm because of human-caused climate change, then we can attribute a percentage to that, and that's what they've done. They've attributed 20 to 30% of the rainfall of Gabriel to human-caused climate change. But the irony of this particular study that they've just done that with is that um, they've admitted in the press conference that even their own computer models aren't backing them up on it. <laughs> they're, they're, they're sheepish and saying it's a mixed result. We're convinced that climate change is doing it, but the computer models don't agree. Uh, so, you know, it's an ongoing controversy, but again, you just have to keep uh, holding to the truth and just uh, you know, cling to the facts and, and, and you know, remind yourself that uh, these things happened before and our ancestors had it far worse. As you're talking, you reminded me of some of the... Um this, this thought's just come to me, of the language used. And, and it, again, you know, words are powerful. River of, what is it, rainfall or river of, um, of water in the sky. I've heard river, you know, that term used. Atmospheric river. Yeah. Atmospheric river. So already you're visualizing this sort of this, this powerful river of water coming towards you and danger, danger. And then there's all the categorizations like a red rain event, an orange. Everything's kind of designed, and I can see why you would, you know, categorize things in certain ways, but everything's designed to, to have a, an emotional punch. Am I right? 
It is, and that's, again, uh, very carefully chosen words and phrasing. That, that's how they do it. Um, they have focus groups on this sort of thing, and they, they take members of the public into the small rooms and run phrasing past them to see what their reaction is on, a, oh on an ECG meter and that sort of thing. Um, so it's all, you know, um, research to an inch of its life in terms of how people are going to react to the various phrases they choose. That's why they've uh, taken the climate change as opposed to global warming, because it's much easier in the media to paint any event as climate change. Uh, and so that all weather is, is caused by human-caused gases, than it is to say we're continually warming, because obviously warming doesn't explain massive snowfalls, record snowfalls, and, and, uh, and cold spells. So it's all you know, part of the same package. Ian, thanks so much for coming on Reality Check Radio, and we'll keep an eye on that, and uh, hopefully we'll chat again. All the best. Thank you, Paul. Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan.